BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Abgenommen bedauert. Adventures in time and space. Transcribed in future tense. This is the story of Riesling, the singer of the spaceways. You've probably sung his songs in school, in English, French, or German. The language doesn't matter, but it was an earth tongue. But the real story of Riesling is not found in the footnotes of a scholar's critique or a publisher's biography. It is in the memories of the old-time spacemen, the pioneers who pushed the thundering old-fashioned rockets to the far, strange ports that are our commonplace heritage. These men know the true story of Riesling. The arching sky is calling spacemen back to their trade. All hands stand by free, falling and the lights below us fade. Outride the sons of terror met Riesling, he was hustling drinks in the Twin Moons Bar at Drywater, Mars. He'd won a guitar off a Chinese barkeep at Luna City by cheating at one thumb, and he made his whiskey by singing in the bar and passing the hand. Listen to her, Hudson. Don't she strum pretty? Like a 16-year-old gal. Now, how much you collect on that last song? Three dollars, Marshall, and a slug. Al grabbed it from a bill. You don't trust me no more. 
funny. Never did have no luck with hound dogs nor Martian barking. Hey, Riesling, look over there by the bar. There's an Institute Four Striper giving in the eye. Know him? <laughs> Captain Hicks off the goshawk. He's sure giving you the once-over. Maybe he's got a job. <laughs> they don't make never no mind to me. I've been blacklisted. Hicks logged me for making up a song on watch. Right fine song, too. Uh, hold it. Here comes the brass arm. Uh, Riesling, uh, I've been looking for you. I've been right here, Skipper. You saw to that. I need a jet man on the goshawk. Interesting. Real interesting. Well? i got news for you, Skipper. You blacklisted me, remember? Well, you kept your nose clean. And uh, we need an experienced man. Been a little changing down aft in the goshawk, ain't there, Skipper? How'd you know that? You got that new atomic pile drive. Last three of them tea kettles blew somewhere in the asteroids. Look, it's double pay, but if you're scared... Scared? Listen, fella. For double pay, I'd jump off the top of the Harriman Tower if you allowed me rubber heels for the landing. All right, then. You show up tonight to sign the book. Sober. Got no choice, Skipper. Money and me is total strangers. We lift at 11.30 Mars time. Sober, you understand, Riesling? <laughs> you taking the job? Well, that goshawk is one stinking old tub. Her engine's got more bugs than a beagle dog in spring. And that new drive is about as safe as a pretty gal in the Ozarks. But I reckon she'll do for one more trip. Welcome home, Riesling. Hi, Jimmy Legs. Meet my friend Hertzman. He's signing on as a waffle. Wiper. This is Jimmy Legs Casey. <laughs> He's bosom. Can't hold his liquor no more than a sieve, poor boy. <laughs> Riesling, you uh, sober enough to sign the book? Drunk or sober, I make my mark. Stand aside. Uh, three X's. <laughs> Took me a middle name. <laughs> yeah, you two lay below. And Hertzman. Aye, sir. Get him sobered up before the skipper makes rounds. Jimmy Legs, I'm sober as a hanging judge. Yeah? Well, you can leave that bottle here. What bottle? The one in your back pocket. Glass buttons, maybe, huh? (laughs) Give it here. Jimmy Legs, I swear I'm going to write a song about you. Go ahead, threaten me. Now, get below. We raise ship in 30 minutes. Riesling, what the devil are you doing up here on the bridge without permission? Figured I'd take a little stroll. Riesling, get me low no, before no, no, I hold have... Hold on, Skipper. You'll have that gold braid just crawling up your arm. I'm up here on business. Well? That number two jet ain't fit. Tell me and Tampa's a warp. Why tell me? Tell the chief engineer. I did. He says they'll hold. Well? He's wrong. He's wrong. He's got a Harriman Institute degree in power electronics. And some drunk space rat says he's wrong. Skipper, I was damping jets when that shirt tail tad wore pins for buttons. I've got no time for you, Riesling. Casey, sound takeoff. Aye, sir. I'm telling you, Skipper, that number two jet's gonna blow. Damper's warm crooked like a turtle's back. Riesling, drag your dead head out of here. Get below. Go ahead from control tower, Captain. All right, Casey. Fire one and four. <laughs> Three watches before going into free flight. 
Riesling and I had the second walk. Damping was done by hand in those days with a multiplying vernier and a danger peeper. And as long as the peeper ticked off slow and steady, we knew the ship was safe for a while. Hey, Riesling, you better stow that guitar. If Jimmy Lakes catches it, he'll blow a gasket. Don't worry, I can damp this tea kettle in my sleep. How's number two? Uh, all right, so far. Did you ever hear that song about Hicks, the one that got me blacklisted? Oh, the skipper is the father of his crew. A gentle guiding light to me and you. But on Mars he likes his women if they walk or if they're swimming. Or if they've got six arms instead of two. <laughs> hey, the, the second verse is better. Now the skipper likes his liquor by the quart. Yes, he'd go from Mars to Venus for a snort. He'll drink rocket fuel and... Well, hi, Skip. Didn't see you come in. You were too busy, eh? Who's watching the gauge? I got an eye on it. Don't you fret none. Riesling, I'm going to fix it so you can't get a berth on a rocket-powered pogo stick. Report to Casey under arrest. I don't rightly think I will. You what? You kind of forget, Skipper. According to space code, you can't remove a jetman till the end of the watch, right? Now look, you corn-fed space lawyer. Now, is that a rule or ain't it? Riesling, your shift is over at 2300. And I'll see you ride the rest of the way in slop locker. Maybe. Maybe. In the meantime, you clear out of my power room. I gotta make me up a third verse for my song. Power room. Damp number two appoint. Number two, all right. Hey, let me have that mic. Jimmy Legs, is that force drive boil up there? Give me that, Casey. Riesling, I've taken just about enough for you. And I've got a little news for you, Skipper. Number two jet is bulging like a fat lady in a satin skirt. Listen, you clown. Skipper, I think I'm going to junk my song and start over. I could do much better on you. This is the last time, Riesling. Damp number two appoint. Well, Sure. Got it. I'll you. watch the gauge. Now. She's bucking a little. Riesling, get the emergency. She won't damn. that door. There go the lights. Riesling. Riesling, stay down behind the back. I've got to take a look. It's radioactive. Look out. Tight now. What happened? Number two blew your lunk-headed space rat. You all right? A little sunburn. Uh, the lights are gone. Uh, what's the matter with the emergency circuits? Riesling. Jimmy Legs, get some lights down here. It's dark. Get the emergency light on. They're on, Riesling. They went on after the blast. The lights are on. What are you talking about? Jimmy Legs. Jimmy Legs, turn on the lights. It's dark. Turn on the lights. That blue radioactive glow from the jets was the last thing Riesling ever saw. His optic nerve was burned out in an instant. He was in sick bay on the rest of the trip, and on the swing back, we set Riesling down at dry water Mars. 
Look out for the cable, Riesley. Thanks, Hurtsman. Hey, Riesling. That you, Jimmy Legs? Hold up a minute, will you? Oh, uh, Riesling. Jimmy Legs, I promised I'd write a song about you, didn't I? Sure, Riesling, sure. Can't seem to sing like I used to. Look, Riesling, the men up on the bridge feel kind of bad about this. Yeah? Why didn't they think of that when Riesling told them that damper was shot? Now, Hertzman, that's all over. Sure, sure, that's all forgotten. Riesling, let's, let's get out of the Twin Moons before I vomit. Now, hold it, hold it. The skipper feels pretty bad about the whole thing, Riesling. Kind of late for that, Jimmy Lakes. Feeling sorry, don't hold no corn. The boys passed the hat. The skipper kicked in half a month's pay. Did he now? Then on principle, I suppose I ought to tell him to stuff it back up the jets. But you can't buy no drinking whiskey on principle. I'll take it. Here you are. I'll get it. I'll be seeing you recently. Sure, Jimmy Lee. Sure. Come on, Hertzman. Let's get that drink. That was all. Just another space bum who didn't have the good sense to finish before his luck ran out. Well, Riesling holed up at the Twin Moons till his money was gone. Then he hooked a ride on a crawler over to Marsopolis. It was a boom town then, with an industrial district mushrooming between the Lesser and Grand Canals. I ran into Riesling about two months later, playing his guitar on a jetty that ran out into the canal. He had a dirty rag tied over his eyes from the jetman's knot. And his hat was on the wharf beside him. Riesling! Who's that? Wait a minute. Hertzman. Yeah, how have you been? Passable. Gee, is this a Venusian dime? Ah, it's a slug. <laughs> I figured. Well, how's it going? Singing again? Some. Work in saloons, mostly. But I've been thinking some funny songs, Hertzman. The words come out different than they used to. Come on along the canal with me. Sure. Uh, here, take my arm. I know the way. That's a funny thing, Hertzman. I figure I know it better than other folks. Look back there, towards the city. What do you see? Factory towers. Ah, smell them from here. But it don't seem that way to me. I remember them old buildings. Old before Bible times on earth. Thin and graceful like the fairy palaces my Grammy used to tell about down home in the hills. They've torn them down now. Or else blocks them up with cinder bricks. Hertzman, when I stand out out here on the canal, I can see it the way it used to be. The water, ice blue with the stars shining up out of it. Way off there, the city with the towers sweeping up like a bird of flying off a tree. I can see it. It's the dirtiest stinkhole in the system. Not always. Depends on how you see it. Bone tie the race that raised the towers forgotten are their lords long gone the gods who shed the tears that lap these crystal shores slow beats the time Beneath this ice 
Why don't you go home, Riesling? Home? Earth. I've been thinking about that, Hertzman. When I was a youngster down in the Ozarks, I used to climb a big old oak tree my daddy had in the dooryard. You could see the hills for miles, green and cool. I've been thinking about that. Why don't you go back then? I couldn't see them hills no more now. I couldn't stand to see black when I knew they was lying all around me, cool and green in the sun. I couldn't stand that. Yeah. Well, let's get back to town, Hertzman. Today I made three and a half dollars mush, and I'm all set to drink it down before dawn. Come on! I lost track of Riesling after that. I shipped out on a slow freight to the Condor class for Luna, and he hitchhiked a ride to Venusburg on an ore ship in the Triplanet run. So he beat around the system. Venusburg to Layport to Drywater to New Shanghai and back. Any spaceport was his home, and no skipper had refused to lift the extra mass of Riesling and his battered guitar. He made up his songs, sitting out watches down in the power rooms with old shipmates, while the monotonous beat of the jet shook the hull plates. Hear the jet, hear the jet, hear them snarl at your back when you're stretched on the rack. Hear the jet, feel the pain in your ship, feel the strain in your grip. Hear the jet, feel her rise, feel her drive, strand steel come alive on her jet. Little by little, his songs began to travel along the spaceways ahead of him. Raw spaceman songs with titles like Since the Pusher Met My Cousin and The Space Is Built for Two. But more and more, we began to hear a different kind of song. Strange, sad songs. The ones you find printed in the centennial editions. Dark star passing. Death song of a woods cove. And then, finally, The Green Hills of Earth. It grew for 20 years, that song. They say it started way back when Riesling was down in the labor camps on Venus, singing for the indentured man. Now, if someone will kindly pass a bottle. It is not much, Riesling. Here, it'll do. <laughs> yeah, what is that stuff? Tequila. You cannot make him good here on Venus. What do you use? Karak bush. Home it is... Home, it is different. Where are you from, son? Tasco, Mexico. It's a long way from here. See, si, a long way. <laughs> How'd you come to sign on? The man comes out of the village from the city in a shining automobile, very big. He says there is work. You sign the paper for ten years and you work. Yeah, work. There is work here, all right. Ten stinking hours in the jungle with machete. I tell you, when I get home to Earth... What'll you do, son? Ah, what is the use? We aren't getting home. You know how many men die out there in the swamp today? Ten men, ten! What is the use? My mother, she's dead. My father don't care. A girl? 
Oh, she she says she wait. I I don't know. Sure, son. You uh, you sing some more, Easton. We drink. You sing. Maybe a new song, son. We ride in the molds of Venus. We wretched her tainted breath. Foul are her flooded jungles. Are crawling with unclean death. Let the. What is the matter? Finish the song, Leslie. I can't. Can't yet. It just don't come. I'll finish it when I go home. That's it. When I go home to the hills. Now pass that bottle. The dawn whistle don't blow for four hours. That's where the green hill started. And I was there when it was finished. It was 20 years after that. And there wasn't a man flying or on the beach hadn't heard of Riesling and his songs. He was getting old now for a spaceman. He was a familiar figure through the whole system. Tall, gaunt, and with that dirty bandage tied across his blind eyes. I was chief jetman then on the old Falcon. We were cradled at Venus Ellis Isle, scheduled for a direct jump to Great Lakes, Illinois, on Earth. I was checking in Dunnage when Riesling felt his way up the gangway and came through the lock. Riesling! Who's that? Mike Hertzman! 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 Well, what are you doing on this old hog? I figured I'd ride her back to Earth. Earth? Are you going home, Riesling? I thought you were never going to make that run. I've been hankering to set foot in the Ozarks again. How about those hills? I've been singing about them so long now, Hertzman. I got to finish the song. I got to set foot in the dooryard and hear the wind through that oak tree. About the last thing I'll be doing, I got to get home before... Riesling, there's a new company policy. You see, Hertzman, I'm getting just a little old. Riesling, listen. No more deadhead rides. The new code book is in force. Oh, I've seen code books come and go. The skipper's one of them youngsters fresh out of Harriman Institute cadet training. He's liable to throw the book at you. At me? I've been around space as long as Halley's Comet and Brewster's Ridge. I'm going back to Earth. The cool green hills of Earth. I'm going home. All secured, Hertzman. What are you doing here? That's Riesling, Captain. Riesling, huh? I'm dragging it back to Earth, Captain. Not in this ship. Earthman have his man removed. Funny thing, Captain, I, I sprained my shoulder sudden. Look, Skipper, you're a youngster. You're, you're pretty new out here. I'm going home. You don't know what that means to an old man, going home. I can't take you. Against the Harriman Code. Oh, now, look, Skipper, you can slide me by the distressed spaceman's clause in that code book. Distressed spaceman, my eye. You've been bumming around the system for 30 years. Skipper, you make me do something I've never done for no one before. I'm an old man, an old blind man, and I want to go home. I ain't never crawled in front of a four-striper in my life, but you got to let me drag home. The law says a man's got a trip coming to him. You can stretch for a poor old blind man, now, can't you? You got to, Skipper. All right, you old space rat, but keep out of the way. I run an efficient ship, and I don't want any trouble. No, sir, no, sir, no trouble. I'll just lay down to the power room. Kind of like to be near the jets when they blast off for Earth. Sit down, Riesling. Take a load off your feet. 
Thanks, Mick. Stand by for lift. Stand by. Best seat in the system. Power room and an old hawk glass ship. Power room, fire three. I see. The cool green hills of Earth. Still singing that recently? Oh, some. I changed her a little. Gonna finish her now, Mac. Going home to finish her. Yeah. Have you seen those new uh, automatic dampers, Riesley? Don't have to do nothing but sit and watch. Hey, where, where's the peeper? Turned off. She's all automatic. And you have it soft nowadays. When I was twisting her tail, you had to stay awake. You got an old hand damping plates on? All but the links. I unshipped them. They cover up the dials. You might need them. No, the automatic's handled. Finally going home, Riesley, huh? Won't seem the same out past the moon. I've been waiting for this a long time, Mac. Gonna be good to get home, I reckon. The arching sky is calling spacemen back. Mac! Hey, Mac, you all right? I, I, I got the emergency. The hand handle. Where are the links? Hey, hey, you to be on the wall here, some. I got On what? Riesling, get out of there. You'll kill yourself. Don't worry, Skipper. I know this power room. I can see that in my shirt. Somebody's got a damper. Riesling, I'm sending in a crew. No, 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 no use. The whole room will be hot for an hour and the other jets won't hold. Skipper, throw on the recording tape. What? Throw on the recording tape. I want to get something down. Tape's on, Riesling. Stop it, Riesling. The radiation will burn you down. Yeah, Rick. Yeah, pretty soft sunburn. Pick me out of here with a dog. Bury me in a lead shield coffin. Uh, okay, Skip. She's clean. Uh, radiation's getting brighter. I can almost see. Bright, rosy like the sun. Like the sun over the hills down home. I got my song figured right now. Here it comes. We pray for one last landing. On the globe that gave us birth, let us rest our eyes on the fleecy skies of the cool green hills of Earth. I can see them now. The hills. The sun. I can see the sun. That's the way he died. Riesling, the blind singer of the spaceways, singing of the home he never reached, the cool green hills of Earth. at this same time next week for another adventure into the unknown world of Dimension
Can you predict the future? Can you tell what will come in 100 years? Or in 10? Or in the next minute? Tonight we present two ventures into the unknown. Two fantasies of the future, chosen from the works of one of our most brilliant young science fiction writers, Ray Bradbury. First, his story entitled, There Will Come Soft Rain. The house was a good house, planned and built to be lived in in the year 1980. The real estate agent had told them all about it. Now, this is the bedroom. Of course, it contains all the latest devices, self-warming blankets, and, uh, yeah, it's a brand new feature. Beds, which make themselves. Now, if you just step this way through the library, we can see the latest in talking book recorders, self-building fireplace, self-cleaning robot dust disposal. Oh, these little mouse-like things come out of the wall and take away all the dirt. Now, over this way... There's a complete robot kitchen, of course. Just set the menu for the week and the stove does the rest. Then there's the automatic hydroponic garden, self-sprinkling fire protection. See, the house is fully automatic. Why, you could go away for a year and it would run itself. And so the family took the house. The man and the woman and the two children. Uh, a boy and a girl. And they lived contentedly, enjoying music and poetry and the rich, warm things in life. And the house fed them and slept them and entertained them. It made a good life for them. Until one day... There were 10,000 explosions and the world shook as red fire and ashes and radioactivity fell from the sky. The happy time was over. But the house lay empty. The clock talked to the empty morning. In the kitchen, the stove sighed and ejected from its warm interior eight eggs, sunny side up, twelve bacon slices, two coffees, and two cups of hot cocoa. In the walls, relays clicked, memory tapes glided under electric eyes, recorded voices moved beneath steel meters. But no doors slammed. No carpets took the quick tread of rubber heels. At 8.30, the eggs began to shrivel. An aluminum wedge scraped them into the sink. 9.15, out of the wall, hundreds of tiny mechanical mice darted. The rooms were a crawl with small cleaning animals, all rubber and metal. 
they sucked up the hidden dust and dirt and popped back into their burrows. At 10 o'clock, the sun came out from behind the rain. The house stood alone on a street where all the other houses were rubble and ashes. At night, the ruined town gave off a radioactive glow which could be seen for miles. At 10.15, the garden sprinkler filled the soft morning air with golden fountains. The water tinkled over the charred west side of the house, the side which had been facing the blast. It was black, except in five places. One of the five places was a silhouette of a man mowing a lawn, just as he'd been the instant the radioactivity burned his image into the side of the house. Over there, a woman bent to pick flowers. Still further over, their images burned into the wood, where a small boy, hands flung into the air, higher up the image of a thrown ball, and opposite, a girl, her hands raised to catch a ball, which never came down. Five people. Five spots of paint. On the front porch, the dog whined and shivered. The front door recognized the dog's voice and opened. The dog padded in wearily, thin to the bone, covered with sores. It ran to the kitchen and pawed the kitchen door wildly. Behind the door, the stove was making pancakes, which filled the house with their odor, as prescribed by the automatic preset menu selector. The dog frog ran insanely, spun in a circle, biting its tail, and died. One o'clock, one o'clock. Delicately sensing decay, the regiments of mice hummed out of the walls, soft as blown leaves, their electric eyes glowing. One fifteen. The dog was gone. Two fifteen. Bridge tables unfolded from the walls of the patio. Playing cards fluttered onto pads. Martinis appeared on an open bench. But the tables were silent. The cards untouched. Dinner was made, ignored, flushed away. Dishes were washed. In the study, the tobacco stand produced a cigar with half an inch of gray ash upon it, smoking, eating, waiting. The hearth fire bloomed out of nothing. The beds began to warm their hidden circuits, and the phonograph spoke from beside the fireplace. Mrs. McClelland, what poem would you like to hear this evening? Mr. McClelland? Since you express no preference, I shall select at random from among your favorites. Sarah Teasdale. There will come soft rain. There will come soft rain and the smell of the ground and swallows circling with their shimmering sound and frogs in the pools singing at night and wild plum trees in tremulous white. Robins will wear their feathery fire, whistling their whims on a low fence wire. And not one will know of war. Not one will care at last when it is done. Not one would mind, neither bird nor tree, if mankind perished utterly. And spring herself, when she woke at dawn, would scarcely know that we were gone. The phonograph finished the poem. 
The empty chairs faced each other between the silent walls. At ten o'clock that evening, the house began to die. Wind blew the bough of a falling tree into the kitchen window, smashing it. A bottle of cleaning fluid crashed on the stove. Water pumps shot down from the ceiling. But the solvent spread onto the door, making fire as it went. Other voices in other rooms taking up the alarm. The windows broke with the heat, and the wind blew in to help the fire. The fire crackled upstairs. The paintings lay hungrily on the bed, devoured the rooms. The house began to shudder. The bared skeleton began to cringe in the heat. The wires revealed as if a surgeon had torn the skin off. Voices screamed in every room. Windows snapped open and shut like undecided mouths. A thousand things were happening at once. Like the interior of a clock shop at midnight, all the clocks were striking, making a merry-go-round of squeaking, whispering, and rustling. In the kitchen, the stove hissing hysterically was making breakfast at a psychopathic rate. Ten dozen pancakes, six dozen loaves of toast. Then, there was silence. The film spools were burned out. The wires withered and the circuits cracked. Then the house began to breathe its last. The beams began to give at the foundation. Long cracks appeared in the concrete. The seams were burst from the heat. And finally, with a huge rumble, it crashed into dust and rubble. Dawn shone faintly in the east. In the ruins of the house, only one wall remained standing. And within the wall, even as the sun rose to shine upon the burning rubble, a voice spoke again and again and again. No one would mind, neither bird nor tree, if mankind perished up and spring herself when she woke at dawn would scarcely know that we were gone, that we were gone. That we were gone. That we were gone. Strange are the uses of providence. Is this how the end will come for mankind, with 10,000 explosions and a flash of radioactive gas? Or will destruction come more subtly, extended to us gently and innocently in, oh, let's say, the hand of a child? Who knows in what manner zero hour may arrest the world we know? Summer day in the year 1985. The streets were lined with green, peaceful trees. Businessmen sat in their quiet offices, taping their voices or watching televisors. Rockets hovered like darning needles in the blue sky. 
There was the universal quiet conceit and easiness of men accustomed to peace, quite certain that there would never be war or trouble again. There were no traitors among men, no unhappy ones, no disgruntled ones. The world was upon stable ground. Sunlight illumined the suburbs, and the town drowsed on a tide of warm, sunlit air. On the lawns, the children played, catapulting this way and that across the green grass, shouting at each other, holding hands, flying in circles, climbing trees, and laughing. And in the homes, busy mothers prepared for the evening arrival of their husbands. Heavens, Meg, what's all exciting? We're playing a game, Mommy, the most exciting game ever. What are you doing in that cabinet? Playing some children, Daddy's kids. Mm, your father may not love. Oh, I'll take good care of them, Mom, I promise. Very well. Don't you lose anything? Oh, thank you, Mom. You want a glass of milk? Can't stop now, Mom. What's the name of the game, Ming? Invasion. Invasion. What will they think of next? <laughs> Thank you, Mom. It's a matter of life and death. What's a matter of life and death? The invasion. What invasion is that? Oh, just some silly game the children have been playing. Well, whatever it is, Mink, it'll wait until you've finished your supper, I'm sure. I don't want any more. You've barely touched anything. Oh, but Drill is waiting for me, Daddy. Drill? Who's Drill? He lives in a rose bush in our backyard. Imagination, Henry. That's nonsense. I've got to run now. 
You'll sit through dessert, young lady. Oh, gee, Daddy. And while you're at it, tell me more about this new game. It's Martians invading Earth, Daddy. What? But they're not exactly Martians, Daddy. They're from... Well, gee, I don't know, from up. And from inside that little head of yours. You're laughing at me. Drill said you would. You'll kill Drill and... Kill everybody. Oh, I didn't know you could kill a Martian. But it, it's not really a Martian, Mom. Maybe from Jupiter or Venus, even. <laughs> Imagine. They couldn't figure out a way to attack the Earth. We are impregnable. Impregnable, dear. Well, that's the word Drill said, impregnable. Well, anyway, that was the word, Mom, the same word. Anyway, so we're helping him. Now, who's helping who? For the kids are helping the Martians. Well, fifth column, eh? Well, Drill says in order to make a good fight, you got to have a new way of surprising the people. That way you win. And he says, also, you got to have help from your enemy. Pretty slick, those Martians, using the kids for a fifth column, eh, Mary? And hiding under rose bushes, too, Henry. Don't forget that. Well, that's because grown-ups never look under rose bushes. Only kids. Oh, I see. Well, finish your fruit, darling. You can play for an hour afterward. Mary. Oh, it's so nice out, Henry, and there's no school tomorrow. Very well. Till 8 o'clock. Well, it's after the invasion. We can stay up as late as we want. No more bats, either. Oh, is that so? You can watch all the grown-up televisor shows. I don't wonder this invasion has caught on among the kids. Well, some of the kids are giving us trouble, like like Dale Britz and Petey Jarek. They're growing up, so they won't believe in the invasion. They make fun. Worse than parents, even. I hate them worst. You kill them first. I hope you're saving your father and me for last. But Drill says you're dangerous. What? But I... I think they'll let me keep you, because I'm helping so much. I'll talk to Drill. Maybe we won't have to kill you. Mary, I think this nonsense has gone far enough. Can I go out now, please? Well, run along, dear. Don't worry, Dad. I won't let them hurt you. Mary, I think the child's taking this game entirely too seriously. Invasion. Ah, Henry, you know how Mink is. Besides, all children have their aggressions. Better to get them out in the open, I suppose. Maybe you're right. Um... I was wondering about bridge with the Jacksons tonight, Mary. All right. But, uh, you look tired, dear. Why don't you sit in the relaxer for a while and get a massage? I'll sew for a while until it's time to... Oh, I wanted to call my sister Helen. Oh, good. Find out when her husband's going to return my golf clubs. Would you please connect me with Mrs. Helen Rogerson on Channel 7, 2Z, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. What is your channel, please? 817X, New Rochelle, New York. Thank you. Just a moment. Go ahead. You can see your party now. Hello, Mary. How are things in New York? Fine, Helen. How are things in Pittsburgh? You look tired. Oh, I've been having a terrible time with the children. Sick? No, just underfoot. They've got a new game that's got me just about crazy. It's called Invasion. Did you say Invasion? That's right. Well, isn't that strange? My mink is playing it, too. My boy Tim is all involved with some imaginary fellow named Drill who's running the Invasion. Must be a new password. Mink likes him, too. How do you suppose these games start? My backyard looks like a scrap drive. They've got every conceivable kind of mechanical gadget arranged out there. I talked to Josephine Schiller in Boston, and she said her kids are wild about it, too. It's sweeping the country. Remember when it was the Roomba? Please, dear, I'm not that old. Mommy! 
Oh, please, Minky, I'm on the televisor. Come on, see your Aunt Helen. Hello, Ming. Hi, Aunt Helen. Look what I've got. What is it, honey? Well, it's the yo-yo. Look what I enroll it. See? Oh, Helen, look, it vanished. Where did it go? Into another dim... 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 <laughs> She means dimension. I'll say the darn thing. My Timmy brought one home, too. I can't figure out how they work. Make it reappear, honey. There. It's easy. Where'd you get it, dear? Jill gave it to me, Mom. Mink? Bye, Aunt Helen. Gotta run now. Mink, you come back here. I want to talk to you. Hey, Mom. Zero hour at five o'clock. Mink. Bye. Oh, I can't understand it. The child's never been so unruly. Helen, do you suppose that... What? Uh... Nothing. Just a wild thought that... Say, the reason I called, I want to get that black and white cake recipe. And Henry wants his golf clubs. I don't know what he'll do, but... What was that? I don't know. One of the children must have been hurt. I'll have to run and see. Call me back tonight, will you? All right, Mary. Bye. Mink, come here. Yes, Mom. What is it? Who screamed? Peggy Ann. All right, what happened? Well, she got scared and went home. Did you hit her? Uh, no, she just got scared. She's a scare baby anyway. We won't let her play anymore. She's getting too old. Now, Mink, tell me why she cried. Well, no, I can't. Mink, you'll answer me this instant or come inside. I've had enough of this nonsense. Well, gee, I can't quit now, Mom. It's almost zero hour. Then tell me what frightened Peggy Ann. Okay, she saw drill. Drill. He almost came through. He was just testing. Through what? Well, those pipes and things he set off. She looked into one of the pipes and screamed. I guess she saw Drill. And no one hit her? Uh-uh. Very well, Mink. I'll call Peggy Ann's mother and see how she is. And I'll call you for your bath in half an hour. Your father and I want to go out tonight. You won't be able to go out, Mom. Why not? Zero hours, five o'clock, Mom. <laughs> Hello, dear. Oh, you home already, Henry? Yes, I thought I'd relax a little before we went to theater. Where's the little one? Out back. Same game? Same game. They've got a stack of pipes and hammers and spoons a mile high out there. Children, children, why do we have them? They are strange little creatures, aren't they? Even Mink, Henry. She's a part of us, and... And yet, what do we really know about how she thinks and feels? Well, I didn't mean to start a philosophic discussion. Kids are such a queer mixture of love and hate, though. Even normal, healthy kids. They need you and they're dependent on you, and yet they resent that dependence. You sound like a child psychology course I once took. I wonder if they ever really forgive the whippings and the commands we have to give them sometimes. I wonder if we ever forgot them when we were children. Look, I'd like to discuss this with you, dear, but we do have a theater date, and it's almost five o'clock now. What's happened to the kids? They're so quiet. When children are quiet, you know there's some mischief. What's that sound? I don't know. Those kids aren't playing with anything electrical, are they? I'm sure they are. At least I... Just the same. I'd better go out. Henry. Tell them to put off the invasion. Mary, don't get upset. It's just a game. Good Lord, what's that? Look out the window, Mary. Henry. What is it? 
Where are the children? Mary. Why are you shaking? What did you see? Henry, quick. Up to the attic. They are in the attic. Yes, yes, the attic. Quick. Mary. Come back here. Mary. Mary, don't go up. They aren't up there. Mary, you out of your mind? There's no one up here. We shut the door. Lock it. Lock it. But there's nothing up here. What, what is wrong with you? Mary, come to senses. What are you talking about? I saw it through the window, Henry. It was horrible. What? It, it, it is an invasion. Henry, for heaven's sake, let's get down out of this attic and talk this over sensibly. I, I want to find out if Mink is all right. She's all right. I saw her. She was leading them around the corner of the house. Leading who? The kids? Shh. This. It's nothing. Sound like fifty men with with boots on. Not men. Oh, please, huh? God, don't let them find us. Don't let them find I, I don't understand. Who's there? Shh, don't shout there. Who's down there? I demand that you answer me. just heard another adventure in the unknown world of the future. The world of Dimension X. Next week, Destination Moon, a preview of the movie which is soon to have its world premiere in New York, telling the Robert Heinlein story of man's first trip to the moon. Adventures in Dimension X. There will come soft rains and zero hour. Were written by Ray Bradbury and adapted for radio by George Lefferts. Featured in the first story as narrator was your host Norman Rose. The leading players in Zero Hour were Denise Alexander as Mink and Rita Lynn as the mother, Roger DeCoven as the father. Music by Albert Berman. Engineer Don Abbott. Dimension X is produced by Van Woodward. 
and directed by Edward King. Robert Warren speaking. Programs, get your programs here. For a new thrill in detective listening, join the saint tomorrow as he reaps a harvest of criminals in a thrilling adventure with the underworld. Make the saint a Sunday listening habit and keep tuned thereafter for adventures of the greatest detective of them all, Sam Spade. Tomorrow, hear High Adventure, now Truth or Consequences on NBC. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.